God, you are worthy of all of our worship and praise for who you are and, and also for what you have done because what you have done is sent your only Son, Jesus, to die for our sins so that we could have new life, so that we could have an eternity with you. And God, in doing that, you talk about us being transformed, about being changed, about being made new creations. We're talking about that today. We're talking about living differently. We're going to talk about living with a different spirit in us. God, I just pray that you would take this time, that you would open our hearts and minds and ears. And as this is a not easy topic in all ways, God, it's one that we we need to talk about. And so thank you. Thank you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So maybe you're joining us for the first time ever, or maybe you're just joining us for the first time you've been gone for a week or two, and you're back and you're wondering, okay, so what is it we're talking about? We're talking about this book called The Pioneer Spirit. And it's an important one for us to look at because it very much describes who we are as a church. It describes the DNA and the culture of who we were created to be and what it is that we're becoming. So we're doing a series that will go for about two and a half months on this book called uh, The Pioneer Spirit. And I I said last week, and I'll say it again, uh, I am going to quote liberally from Dutch Sheets who wrote it. Uh, A lot of this is his idea, but what I find is that I'm passionate about it because I realize God wired me to be a pioneer. Some of you after last week maybe realized, yeah, that kind of explains some things. I think I'm a little bit of a pioneer too. And then we talked about settlers and how settlers are different. They have a different call and a different purpose. And one isn't better than the other. They're just different. Joining us on our journey is going to be my man, Quinn. Uh, we don't know exactly where God is going to take us with this, but that's kind of the whole point of a pioneer is that we just step out in faith knowing that God is going to take us somewhere. I hope you join us because it's going to give you an insight into maybe who you are and it's certainly going to give you a good insight into who our church is and what we're about. But like every pioneer journey, it isn't easy. There's things about it and things that we need to talk about that might challenge you, that might rub up against you the wrong way. But rather than stop listening, I would use that as an opportunity to say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? First thing that I can tell you is pioneers are passionate. Pioneers are passionate. They're committed to a cause. Pioneers realize that part of the way that they're wired is that they're willing to be different. America was born to be different. This country that we live in was created and founded to be different. Jesus came to earth and gave his life that you and I could be different. Not just a a better version of ourselves, but a completely different new creation. All the way back to the founding of the United States of America. Our founding fathers knew that what they were called to was going to cost them greatly, but it was going to be different. And that is by design that America would be unlike any other country in the whole wide world. Not a better version of another one, but a different one altogether. They knew that all the way back to the American Revolution, which cleared the way for the founding of this constitutional republic of ours, That the revolution was a war of separation and distinction. Separation from England and the king of England and his laws and taxes and, and his insistence on how they lived. And distinction from anyone else. In fact, from everyone else. It was John Quincy Adams. He was a child during the American Revolution. John Quincy Adams ended up becoming the sixth president of the United States. He once said this. The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. 
It connected in one indissoluble bond. I love the way they talked and wrote back then. One indissoluble bond, the principles of civil, civil government with the principles of Christianity. I don't care what the atheistic reconstructionists want to tell you about our history. America was founded to be a Christian nation. The whole idea of the separation of church and state wasn't to keep the church out of government. The government was founded on the Christian church. It was to keep the government out of the business of the church. But somehow or another, we've completely turned that around. See, the promise was the government would never infringe on the rights of the faithful. Yet it only takes so long for people to... You don't get too comfortable with that, that they think it needs to change. And so before long, the the humanists began to take over. And the word that we started to use is progressive thinking. And I'll tell you this. If progressive means moving away from God, I want no part of it. What I do want to be is a pioneer who goes back to God. And that's the church that you're sitting in this morning. That's our spirit. The Frenchman Alec de Tocqueville came to the U.S. in the early 1800s, about 60 years after our company was, country was founded. And he wanted to understand. He wanted to figure out what made America tick. What was the source of the American difference and, in his words, the American greatness? So he took off traveling over all the part of the country that had been established at this point, And he went through the woods and he found the rivers and he went to the lakes. He searched nature. He searched the business world. He searched our trade agreements and trade partners. He looked into the schools. He looked everywhere he could. He poured through our Constitution and studied our political structure. And finally, he wrote this. It was not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great. Because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. He also wrote that as a warning to America, he said, unchecked political power will lead to tyranny. How accurate that warning turned out to be. Because once again, America is different. We're different for an entirely different set of reasons. America is different because... For the first time ever, really, we have dissolved that indissoluble bond between the founding principles of civil government and the Christian church. It seems to be the fashion today to separate those two as far as they can be separated. We're different because our houses of government, the halls of leadership, our schools, our public spaces, our media, in all of the different ways and shapes and forms, seem to have no real principle of Christianity. No prayer It's often not allowed, no Christian morals, we can't talk like that, which has led to, quite frankly, no standards. We've lost our way and we've strayed from what Dutch Sheets calls the old road. The pioneers who founded this country built it on the old road. In the Message Bible, Jeremiah 6.16 says this, Go stand at the crossroads and look around. Ask for directions to the old road, the tried and true road. Then take it. America is at a crossroads. I don't care what political party you identify yourself with. I don't care how it is that you want to see the country, who's right or who's wrong. We're at a crossroads. And it's a crossroads that will change us for the future. Now, I refuse to be a politically active pastor. There are some who do that. That's not my call. 
But my call is to preach the good news of the gospel and transformation in Jesus. And if that's the message we're going to tell the world, then I would think that our votes ought to be informed by our faith, shouldn't it? Shouldn't the people that we support support the values that we say that we believe in? And the question I ask people often is, do your friends and the people you work with, do they know you by your political convictions? Or do they know you by your faith in Jesus? That's a pretty good parameter for finding out which one of those is most important to you. But by the same token as to not being a a political pastor, I refuse to be a silent pioneer. I believe with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my life that Jesus is the answer to every question you're ever going to ask in one way or another. He's the answer to every problem and to every situation. I believe that our nation, what we need is not a great president. We don't need a a stronger economy. Maybe we do, but that's not the answer. We need Jesus to be invited back into our country. We need to invite Jesus back. We need a return to that Christian foundation, the old road that Dutch talks about. But to do that, we need Christians who are willing to be different for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. People are willing to be different for all sorts of causes that at the end of the day don't stand for or mean anything. But Christians who have the answer in Jesus seem to be the ones who are strikingly silent. Now, you might not feel this passion the way that I do, and that's fine, but you need to understand this is how I'm wired. This is how our church was founded and who we are. A willingness to be different from the people and the world around us. That's one of the first characteristics of a pioneer. Dutch Sheets says in his book this. We got a slide for this one, right? You can't be an agent of change while following the crowd. You must be willing to be different in order to make a difference. You must be willing to be different in order to make a difference. If you've ever done anything in your life that was outside the norm, you had to start by being willing to be different. You can't be an agent of change while following the crowd. You must be willing to be different in order to make a difference. And believe me, I know being different in a small town is not easy. It's not popular. Folks don't always take kindly to people who rock the boat that they find so comfortable, that spiritual boat that they like to take naps in. America and so many of our churches have grown comfortable conforming, conforming to the wishes and the wants and the demands of the world around us that we have ignored or completely forgotten what the Bible says we're supposed to be. Romans 12.2 says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God transforms us from the inside out so that we can be difference makers in the world that He has placed us in for Him. On our own, our thinking stinks. I I was at a seminar years ago for a guy named Zig Ziglar. And man, you talk about energy. That old guy had energy. He since passed on. But he had a phrase, and I'll never forget it. If you've read him, you know exactly where I'm going. What's our problem? Stinking thinking. We suffer from stinking thinking. Our thinking is selfish. It's filled with pride, doubt. It's not in line with God's will. We think that way because that's what the noise that we surround ourselves with tells us to think. And we hear noise from everywhere. 
You hear noise from the media. You hear noise from social media, from our workplaces, from our politicians. I heard a preacher listening to a, a podcast this morning. He said, do you spend more time in Facebook or in God's book? What noise do you choose to fill your head with? And his church got super quiet. But it goes for all the other social media platforms, really. Because if we watch what the media wants us to believe, seriously, right now, we're supposed to be more concerned about UFOs and aliens than all of the celebrities and politicians who have come out on Jeffrey Epstein's list that we hear nothing about. Noise is just that. It's noise. It's a distraction from the things that matter. And we're the ones that have to learn to hear it and to tune it out. What matters? Jesus matters. Heaven and hell matters. Truth matters. What matters is God. And the kingdom of heaven that's nearer now than it's ever been in history, when we talk about end times and getting closer, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about taking our place in our eternal home, which is either going to be heaven or hell. Around here, we've prayed since the very beginning that God would bless us and use us to be agents of change in the name of Jesus among the people that surround us. That we would be trusted by Him to invade the darkness of the world with the light of Jesus. And that's a big ask. We've always wanted to do it pioneer style, not the way it's always been done, but the way God wants us to do it. John the Baptist, now that guy was a pioneer. He was a little odd. People didn't know what to do about him. But his message wasn't about him at all. John the Baptist's message was all about the one who was coming after him, and that was Jesus. And the message that John spoke was so not popular. It was repentance. John talked repentance all the time. To repent is to think differently, to be renewed by the transforming of our minds. Repentance is a change of thinking that leads to a change of behavior, direction, or thinking. Pioneers recognize That repentance is part of that old road that has become so unfashionable that God continues to call us back to. Different thinking, not different ideas, not trying harder, not different ministries or reading different books or trying another type of spirituality, but different thinking, God-focused thinking, good old-fashioned God-focused thinking is what makes a real difference. Spiritual pioneers know that the way forward is to go backwards. To never forget where you've come from as you journey forth into the future. That 2,000-year-old road paved by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Spiritual pioneers, they're a different bunch. Spiritual pioneers are willing to live the comfort and the safety of a stagnant life and stagnant churches and stagnant religion and go to a different place, to an old place. Not a new place, but maybe new for them. To Jesus. Not to a religion, but to the ancient truth of Jesus. And where do we find that? In God's Word. Not in Facebook, not on Instagram, not in social media. It's not a system or denomination or or a new thinking uh, that changes how you try or increases your effort, but rather to a lifestyle that begins with transformation. John the Baptist said about Jesus in John 3.30, He must increase and I must decrease. That's the message that we share with the world. And that's the way that we think and live. And instead, in America, we've done the complete opposite. 
We've created a celebrity culture that anybody's invited to be a part of, of self-important sports stars and celebrities and politicians and TV preachers and normal people like you and I because social media allows us to be a celebrity in our own mind. You know why? Because we get fans. We call them followers. And the thing is, to increase your name and your influence, not the name of Jesus. But listen to this. I got something for you here. When God gives you a voice and God gives you an audience, it's to magnify the name of Jesus and point people to Him, not to grow our own name or business or profile filled with likes. If God gives you a voice and an audience, it's for His good. It isn't to make you famous. It's to make Jesus known. All the way back in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, 24, God talked about a man of faith that was uh, out in the wilderness. He had just come out of Egypt. His name was Caleb. And in 1424, what God said about Caleb is he has a different spirit. Not sure everybody understood what that meant back then, but he did. Caleb was one of the 12 spies that were sent into the promised land to see what was going on and what it is that they were going to take over and, and what was there, bring a report back. And so they went and they went through the promised land and they came back. And they all came back and they said, yes, it is everything that God said it would be and more. Everything God promised is there and more. And the people said, what's the more? Well, ten of those spies says, well, there's giants. And there's fortified walls and there's huge armies. And Caleb and the other man that, that didn't come back with that report because they saw what God was doing said, but God's got that. That's not a problem. See, those ten spies, they weren't pioneers. They were faithless cowards who said that they couldn't take that land. No way. They were impossible to be able to do it. And what ended up happening was those ten people who were leaders, Numbers says, went in, checked it out, saw what they saw, they came back, and you know what they did? They poisoned the thinking of the entire nation of Israel. Because they didn't have the faith that God could deliver on His promise. They didn't believe that God could actually do what God said He could do. They saw giants and fortified walls, and they saw armies. They didn't see the power of God that was on their side. Those ten men turned the entire nation of Israel into frightened and faithless settlers who would wander the wilderness, wilderness rather than pioneer forward to the land that God had promised them. They would have rather returned to Egypt, they said, and go back as slaves because at least they had food and rules and a place to live than to trust God to carry them into a future they couldn't see. So God gave them what they wanted. They wandered in the wilderness. And sometimes... People are afraid of being pioneers because we don't see the end of the road when what we're called to do is trust God to keep us on the right road. See, there are some leaders, and the Bible says that God places our leaders ahead of us for His purposes. Some of those leaders take us not to the place that He has prepared for us, but because they're so afraid of what they cannot see that they lead people away from God's promise and take them to a place where they're comfortable. They take them to a place that they understand that they can control the details where there's no reason to trust in God. Sometimes settlers are cowards. And sometimes, like Caleb, pioneers are giant killers. Cowards build walls and buildings, and sometimes they build little churches to feel safe in and to keep the giants of the world away. Because they don't want to risk the faith 
because they're not up for the fight. They'd rather preach safety than risk their lives for the cause of the cross of Christ. But we're here today because pioneers have gone before us who risked everything. See, that wasn't Caleb. That's not who he was. Caleb, in fact, went when he saw what was in the promised land, he asked for a specific place to be able to take in battle. He wanted to be assigned a place called Kiryat Arba. Arba was a mountain. It was the name of the biggest giant in the whole land. And Caleb said, I want to go attack that city. I want to attack that giant. He's the largest and the baddest of them all. Caleb was a pioneer who was so full of faith that the biggest giant in the promised land was no match for the power of God in him. But you know what? It took him 40 years to be able to attack Arba. 40 years because what God did is God allowed every single one of those people wandering outside the two, an entire generation of people to perish. They died wandering in the wilderness because they did not have the faith to step forward. And so when he finally had the chance to attack 40 years later, he took that mountain and he took out that giant. And what he did is he renamed that mountain Hebron. And Hebron means friendship because Caleb enjoyed a friendship with God. An incredible man of faith, Abraham, was buried there because the Bible called him a friend of God. See, Caleb knew this very important truth of spiritual pioneers. When we face our fears... When we step into a future that we aren't entirely sure about and when we tackle and conquer our giants, no matter what they might be, it clears the way for others to find faith in Jesus and have a relationship with God themselves. When we are faithful pioneers, other people have an opportunity to be friends with God. When we're willing to give ourselves to be spiritual pioneers, The generation that follows us inherits that pioneer spirit and the faith to conquer their own generations because we were willing to do it. That's what we're talking about with this whole building for our young people. To have a place where they can hear not what the world tells them, but what God says. Not what the world thinks about them and how they look and whether they're good enough, but rather what God thinks about and what God has to say about who they are. What God thinks about them. So many years later, Caleb didn't know this, but a guy named King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, sets up his first throne on Hebron before moving it to Jerusalem seven years later. Caleb didn't know that he was paving the way for the greatest king in Israel's history to set up his throne on that mountain. He just knew that he was called to tackle it. Pioneers don't always get to see the results of their faithfulness. Sometimes pioneers just venture forward And trust God with all the details. One of the lessons that I've had to learn the last few years is I probably am not going to see because I'm not going to live that long. The final picture of what God does on this beautiful piece of land he's brought us to. There are other pioneers who will come after me that will carry that vision forward. Now I'm not going anywhere, don't get me wrong, and I'd love to see the completion. But God tends to work in the long term and our lives tend to be in the short term. Last week I told you about a very significant man in our history. His name was Harlow. Harlow was the first pioneer for the open door. Harlow saw more of what God's church could be. And he gave his life for the possibility of one day reaching you for Jesus. And I don't mean that lightly. That was what we talked about. We talked about it so much. 
We would go and have coffee and we'd find all the coffee shops that we could possibly locate within 20, 25, 30 miles because he was a Cafe Americano fan. And if they didn't make it right, he was really kind about teaching the barista how to do it the right way. But he had vision. And he wasn't afraid of anything. And what we talked about was all those people, all those people that God might bless us with, that God might bring to the open door to learn the truth about God's love for us. That was the fire that burned in Harlow's heart. That was the fire that he and I shared together. Sadly, he lost a fast-growing battle to cancer, and he didn't even see our first anniversary. But here we are. Here you are. A testament to his faith and his vision. You are here because pioneers dare to dream. They dare to step into a future that they don't completely understand because they're willing to make a difference. And as we continue to pioneer on this property and and the communities around us, the new kids ministry building is going to have a pioneer theme. We're going to take the outside world and bring it in and we're going to decorate it with a whole lot of pioneer-like stuff just as a reminder that we're always on the move and we're moving forward at the same time that we're tied to the roots of our history. Because we want to instill a pioneer spirit in our kids that says they can do anything with Christ in them. That's important because this trail that we're blazing is still going to make a way for people we haven't, been, haven't even had the opportunity to meet yet to be friends with God, to know salvation and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Fourteen years ago when we started, most of you had no idea what the open door was, had never heard of us before. But you know what? Harlow prayed for you. Harlow prayed for you not having a face and not having a name because he knew that if there was a place that did the things that God asked us to do, God would bless us with the most important thing in the world to him, and that's human souls. And here you are. Hopefully, joining us to become a friend of God yourself. See, the Christian church has been filled with pioneers who gave their lives so that you and I could know Jesus. These godly men and women who have gone before us, many have given their lives. Dutch Sheets talks about how the Roman Colosseum is stained with blood for years at the lives of martyr Christians who gave their lives in the name of Jesus for an unbelieving world. Pioneers who won't give up to the pressure of a lost and dying world screaming for them to be silent. And there's got to be in a balcony somewhere in heaven all of those pioneers looking down saying, who's going to be next? Who's going to dare? Who's going to step forward? Who's going to trust God? They're waiting for us to live our lives for the cause of Christ, to give ourselves to the single most important thing we could possibly do. So how will you respond? I know for me, I'm going to continue to pioneer forward right here into the future. Because I know God has called us to a future that is amazing. Some of that future I can see. Much of it I can see only in faith. And I realize the outer edge of it, I probably will never see in real life. I'll have to see from heaven. But will you join me? Will you leave the crowd and the noise of this lost and lonely and demanding world to be different? Because to be a follower of Jesus today is to be different. Will you be like Caleb and Harlow? And will you be a man or a woman of a different spirit? Will you return to that old road that is a life rooted in faith in Jesus and trust in Him to lead us forward? See, we, need, we know that the end 
is an eternity in heaven. But we may not know all the steps here on earth, but we know if we're in God's will or not. I learned a long time ago, and this was a hard lesson for me, we're not the church for everyone. I understand that. I, I don't like it. I wish we were. But I know that we're not. And that's okay. But we are a church for spiritual pioneers. Are we a church for you? Will you join us? Will you be a part of making a difference in the community and the world around us? Not to make our name known, but to make the name of Jesus known. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've called us to as a church. God, I'm not saying thank you that you called us to be different, but I'm I'm saying thank you that you've called us to be what you've called us to be, and that is different. And that's not for everybody. Sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels a little frightening. Sometimes it feels like it might be overwhelming. It might feel a little bit some days like walking into that promised land and saying, wow, there's a lot of giants there. But God, for 14 and a half going on 15 years, the giants that we faced have been no match for you. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will instill in us a growing spirit of pioneers that we continue to seek out that old road. Not to come up with different ideas or new religions or spiritualities or more ways to you, but rather, God, that we trust in that tried and true narrow path that's the old road paved by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus for our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. God, that is our message to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.